A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, the NFL schedule is out, and the Bucks could not have drawn a worse one for seven weeks. There will not be an NFL game in Tampa Bay this season. We'll tell you why Bruce Arians is not happy with the league office right about now. And the Tampa Bay Rays hit three more home runs. They beat the Orioles 8-1 to Wednesday night. They win their sixth straight series to add to that franchise record. The Rays now 14-4, the best record in the majors. We knew they could pitch and play defense, but this team is crushing the baseball We'll talk about why that's likely to continue. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are still trying to figure out what went wrong in their series against Columbus. GM Julian Breezebaugh will speak at 11 a.m. See if he has some answers to their collapse there. We have all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you're like me, you're probably sick and tired of these high electric bills. I mean, they're starting to warm up now. You're using your air conditioning more. They can easily be over $300, folks, and that's insane. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, listen to me right now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available, and they don't use high voltage like some of the other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They have a full showroom, and you can see their products, and they're open weekdays. Now, May Electric Solar has been around 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. And there are many other solar companies out there imitating them and trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't uh, subcontract for any of their work at any time. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. Stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And right now you can also save uh, 30% of a tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019 called May Electric Solar, the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, Steve, so the NFL schedule is out. We can talk about some of the things with the rest of the teams, but let's start right here in Tampa Bay. I got to be honest with you, and, and, and I, I know that Bruce Arians was expecting a quick start. He said, we're going to win, we're going to win now. What he probably wasn't counting on was that he's going to have to do it someplace other than Tampa. And I mean for a while. This team when the schedule came out, showed that they would be away from Tampa Bay. They would not play a game in Tampa Bay during the season at one stretch for seven weeks. In fact, they have zero games in the month of October. This schedule is daunting to begin with because of the opponents, but that stretch there pretty early on in the season is something that they've not had to experience in a while. And a big part of it is because they have the game in London, which was a home game they gave up to Carolina. But let's just start – and talk about how this year begins. They host the San Francisco 49ers at Raymond James Stadium on September 8th. That's a 425 game, so that's a break for the fans in terms of the heat and all that. Now, the 49ers will have Jimmy Garoppolo back. They have high expectations. Of course, John Lynch, the GM of that football team. Quan Alexander, if he's healthy enough and cleared to play game one, will make his debut with the 49ers at Raymond James. 
We know what an emotional Quan Alexander plays like. If you remember the games he's played in Atlanta in the past, particularly the one uh, that he just dominated because uh, it was right after his his brother had been uh, murdered uh, there uh, near his hometown. And so that will be something to look forward to. So that's that's the season opener. And it's the first time since 2015 that the Bucks have begun the season at home. So that's good if you're a football team. You like to play at home. You like to get off to a good start at home. Here's the deal, though. Three days later, they're basically getting ready to play another game on Thursday night at Carolina against the Panthers. So they have a Thursday night football game. They're on the road, which means they they won't really practice because you can't really hit after a Sunday game. So they'll practice or do walkthroughs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, get on a plane, and then play Thursday. So kind of a tough deal to, to start on the road with a Thursday night game that soon. Now, following that, they have a September 22nd game against the Giants at Raymond James Stadium, and that's it. From September 22nd until November 10th, the Buccaneers are, don't have a single game in Tampa Bay. That's seven weeks when they won't be playing in their home stadium. During that gap, they will go on the road and travel more than 20 thousand miles they have games at los angeles against the nfc champion rams and at new orleans back to back against the nfc south champion saints so think about those two teams both that competed in in the championship game last year granted the bucks won in new orleans to start the season last year 48 40 but that's a tough back to back against two really good teams and then that precedes the quote home game that they have in london They're going to play the Panthers at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, only the second NFL game that will be played there. And they go to London after that. Then they have a bye week, okay, which is not uncommon when you go to London. You have a bye week the next week. But then they're back on the road again. They play at Tennessee October 27th, and then all the way to the West Coast again at Seattle November 3rd. That, Steve, is a daunting, road-heavy, road-weary schedule that will keep the Bucks out of Tampa Bay for seven straight weeks. So the first nine weeks of the season, your right. first eight games, you have two games at Raymond James Stadium. That's it. The first two. and the third game. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And they're not going to say this. We haven't had a chance to talk to Bruce, Arian about, Bruce Arians about this. They're livid at one buck place. I'm just here to tell you. They, they, they should they, be. They are absolutely – they're trying to find any schedule that resembled this in the past, and it's hard to find it. There's very few teams that have spent this much time. Now, granted, once again, you know, you talk about the London game. How did that come about? Well, in 2014, the owners were having trouble getting teams to volunteer to go overseas, right? They were committed to doing these international games, and particularly in London and particularly in England, where I maintain there will be, a, there will be an NFL team – I think, in England, probably in London, within the next five years. You don't think there's going to be two? By, though, well, there will be at least one, but I don't know if there will be two, but there will be at least one. It makes sense to have two, but I know of one. It's going to be Jacksonville is going to be that team, in my opinion. I've been saying this for a long time, and if you notice how many games they've played over there for how many straight years, Jacksonville gives up one or two games almost every season, it seems, and have been doing so for quite a while. They volunteer. They want to go. Okay, fine. But they were having trouble getting teams that wanted to go. And the Bucks had been there twice. They went in 2009, 
They went back again in 2011 when the International Series over there was still relatively young. They lost both those games, by the way. So it makes sense. The Glazers own Manchester United. That's fine. They're familiar with the market, all those things. But the reason they're going now is because in 2014, the NFL passed this resolution that said, if you're part of a bid for a Super Bowl, right, and they award Super Bowls to cities. They don't award them to football teams. I mean, the Bucks weren't awarded the Super Bowl. You have to earn your way to play in that game. But it's played at your stadium, right, in your community. So clearly the NFL team is a big part of the pitch and has influence with the league because they are part of the, they are the league. So Tampa Bay, of course, is going to get a Super Bowl, and you have to commit to going overseas in part of the international series within five years of of playing that of getting the commitment to play in the Super Bowl to host the Super Bowl. So they were going to have to go there anyway. Okay. So the Super Bowl is 2021 at Raymond James Stadium, February 7th, 2021, the 2020 season, if you will. Okay, so you give up a home game, and they're giving one up against Carolina, who has never been to England. This is Carolina's first trip to London uh, to play internationally. But do you have to then surround that game, which is a home game, with just a bunch of road games on both sides of it? Now, they did get the bye week after, but still in all, I mean, this is an enormous stretch of of time to not play a game at Raymond James Stadium. And and I just think one of the hardest things to do in the NFL is to win on the road. I mean, it's hard to win anyway, but it's really hard to win on the road. And so this team is going to endure not just games on the road, but a lot of travel, extensive travel. They go to the West Coast twice. They go to London. I mean, you got games in L.A., games in Seattle, games in London. That's a lot of travel and a lot of wear and tear on 300-pound guys on airplanes. You can't do anything about it because it's their turn to play the NFC West, and it just rolled out that way. But in the same year that you go to London and you go to those other two West Coast cities, they virtually give you no home games for a while. This is, is going to be a hard thing to do for a football team. Now, we said last year, if you remember, everybody was like, ooh, look at that gauntlet of games early in the season. They got at New Orleans, home against the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Then they had to play the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. There's no way that they're going to navigate that storm. And they almost won all three games. They were 2-1. and one. But they still got off to what was a 3-5 and five start. And the, and the year before that, I think it was 3-6. and six. So slow starts have, have sort of doomed this team the last two seasons, and they won five games each of the last two years. This looks to me like a slow start again. Now, we won't know. you got to play the games. You don't know injuries and other teams' injuries, and you know they have to travel to and those sort of things. But i I got to believe, in fact, I know, that the Bucks feel like they got submarines here a little bit, and it's something they're going to have to combat psychologically first and foremost well, and I, try I, to just – I, take I this one at a time. Your but. slow start for the first half of the season, I agree with, because I think that that's that five games in a row that are essentially on the road, including London in the middle, is bad. But mm-hmm. the first three weeks, you're playing three non-playoff teams. That's true. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back, but San Francisco had a lot more holes than just their quarterback going down. No, they did, and they got to travel three thousand miles to start the mm-hmm. year. Two thousand miles, whatever. The Giants are either going to have a rookie quarterback or Eli Manning. Hmm. You're not expecting a ton out of them for that, as far as the quarterback well, position goes. You lost to Saquon Barkley up there last year, however, yeah, and well, Saquon sure. was was the show. I, I'm not saying, uh, you know, yeah, Saquon Barkley's a hell of a talent, and 
absolutely. But, but not, who knows what the Giants will be? Right. But right. you get them at home. Mm-hmm. Carolina, you you don't like the fact that the second week of the season they're on Thursday night, and and maybe and you brought up the point of a new offense, new coach, new scheme. You really don't get to practice all of a sudden for week two. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that Thursday night football causes problems, particularly for the road team, is that you don't have enough time to heal coming off the Sunday game. No, you don't practice. It's walkthroughs. Right. But, but NFL players take about a week for their bodies to heal to be ready to play again. Mm-hmm. But early in the season, I would think you have a better you're, – you're not as banged up, beat up, et cetera. I would think it's a little easier to play that short rest game earlier in the season than later. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. I'll tell you why I don't know that that's true. And, and, and what, what you're saying could well be true. But the only thing I would say is this. Remember now, the preseason is structured such that no starters play in the fourth game. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you say, well, they get their bodies back. You know, it's a tough training camp. They play the most in the third preseason game. And then their last preseason game, I believe, is on a Friday. And no one will play in that one. So really, the starters, by the time they play the opener, will have gone almost two weeks mm-hmm. without being on the field in competition against somebody else. So then they play a game, okay? But none of those players, that first game, I'm here to tell you, you know what? It's the first full football game you've played in a year at regular season speed. Those guys are gassed. Yeah. Like when I look at when I see players after that first full, and you're going to play in the heat here. I mean, it'll be a 425, but it's still it's going to be it'll still the be Tampa hot. heat in September. But they've not had to play a full football game in over a year, and so you know that takes I think a big toll. You're not in quote unquote game shape. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you try to get there, but until you actually play a few football games, you're not your body's not really adjusted. And this is particularly true with older players. More so than young guys. I mean, the older guys take a little while to get going. And so the recovery time after playing that first full football game, to not have it and to be on the road. Now, the advantage that they have is that because it's a new system and because they'll only have one game on tape because the preseason won't mean crap because they're not going to show anything. The other team, the opponents, like Carolina, won't have three games to look at. You need about three games of tape of a new system, a new team, a team in a new system to get a feel for what they do in, in certain situations. Yeah, they can go back and look at the Arizona Cardinals all they want to. But, you know, when you're talking about Todd Bowles and this team, they'll have one game to study and that's it. Mm-hmm. That should be an advantage for them. Mm-hmm. You know, when they go to Carolina, Carolina won't have a whole lot of history on, you know, Who's coming off the edge when, and you know just exactly how they're going to play teams. So strategically, they might have an advantage just because they're new yep. uh, to this group, and it's a it's a three four. I mean, when have, when has Tampa Bay shown up in Carolina with a three four? Uh, never, because there was no Carolina the last time they ran a three four. So that that might be mm-hmm. something that could be in their pocket. So yeah, I'll give you the. Eh, well, you really can't right. predict doom and gloom with the first two games. Well, and then the Giants, you've got extra rest and extra prep time for your third that, game. That, and, and teams actually – and this is a little secret too. For as much as people complain about the level of play on Thursday night football and, you know, what the injuries are, really there's no evidence that there's more injuries in those games. I think cumulatively, you know, where it shows up is later in the season. But players love – let me emphasize, they love playing on Thursday night because they don't have to practice. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they do they do glorified walkthroughs. Yep. And, and then they, they get, get extra you know, days off afterwards. And then they get a mini bye week. That's right. You you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and come back Wednesday. And that is like a separate bye week. It was one of the things the Bucks missed a year ago. Because they played a Monday night game, that was their national TV game. They didn't have a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. So they didn't get that little break, you know, that acts as almost a second bye week for you. So that part, you know, okay. So let's let's assume though that they navigate those first three games. Right. But it almost requires them to be two and one or three and zero, oh, because what's going to happen next is not good. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah, I mean, you got the Rams and Saints, two playoff teams, two very good playoff teams. Uh, you know, on the, the road, NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Then you're in London with Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then you're at Tennessee and at Seattle. Right. So you'll teams. play Carolina twice in four weeks. Five weeks or total. Five weeks. It's, five weeks. Yeah. At, you know, it's, it's about a month. September twelfth, October thirteenth. Right. Right. And the Falcons, you play basically in the same time window, November twenty fourth and December twenty ninth. They're about a month apart. Right. Your division foes. The trip to Seattle is going to be difficult. That's mm-hmm. a playoff team. Yep. You know Tennessee is going to be difficult because they expect to be a playoff team. Not a long trip. It's only an hour or so yep. to Nashville. But nonetheless, you're on the road there. I mean. Then you get five of eight at home to end the season, though. It turns for you, yes. Right. And and one other thing we were talking about beforehand, the Bucks do not play a cold weather game this year. No. You're, the coldest you're going to probably be is at Seattle November 3rd. You, you're at Atlanta on November 24th, which is a dome. You're at Jacksonville December 1st, so you're in Florida. And you're at Detroit December 15th, which is a dome. Right. So you're not going to have to deal with cold weather elements in this schedule. So I think that's, that's a, a good thing for the, the Bucks if you're looking for positives on the schedule. There are some, but you've got to look hard. I think, the, I think the overall take is that it's just a long time to be, to be not playing a game in Tampa Bay. And you can cry about it. There's nothing you can do about it. The only thing that comes close that we could find in sort of like trying to see, you know, when when was there a team that had to go through this? I think a few years ago Miami had a had sort of a similar no, six game or that's six forty nine days between home games. That's, that's a long time, man. You know who's having this? Who has a similar schedule to this? It's only six weeks between home games. I'll tell you what, man. How the hell did we get this schedule? You know what I mean? The, the league hates me. The Raiders are playing seven 1 o'clock Eastern starts. That's which 10 a.m., man. Which is the most by a West Coast team since they've tracked this since 2002 is what, <laughs> what I saw. We may need Kyler Murray and Derek Carr, if you know what I mean. That's unbelievable. You could just move yeah, the John, team to Tampa John, for the year. You know, just stay in the East Coast. I will say this. There is somebody that doesn't like John Gruden. I don't know who it is, but the schedule makers. I will never forget. And if you think well, about is the it history, they don't like Gruden or they just, they're screwing Oakland this year because it's the last uh, year there. Well, yeah, that could be that too. Like, who cares? But, <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas, they'll be, you know, they'll have the greatest schedule on earth when they go to Las Vegas. But it still, it still baffles me, and we, it comes up every now and then. When you, you know, every year the Super Bowl team – Almost invariably, they the first game they're hosting, right? They're going to launch. They're going to yep. break out the banner and the whole, 
you know, and sometimes it's the the first game of the season and kickoff a Thursday night or whatever it is. And, you know, you see it in New England when they win and Philly when they win. But go back to 2002 and we went we went the next year. They won the Super Bowl in January of, of uh, 2003. The combine is in February and John's taking his bows and, you know, saying everybody wants to – he feels like a big red tomato. And then everyone wants to take a bite on it. And then we go and we're like, come on, you're paranoid, whatever. Then we go to Arizona for the owners' meetings and the schedule come, the first few games, you know how they always announce mm-hmm. kind of the kickoff games at that time. And the Bucks are playing the Eagles. But it's in Philly. <laughs> and he was he was livid. And he was right. He goes, How the hell is a Super Bowl team gotta go on the road, man? When does that happen? Why are we hosting the damn game? I don't understand. And the you know, it the schedule was already predetermined that they were going to go to Philly. And so it made sense that, wow, re, you know, rematch of the championship game. But wait, the Bucks are at Philly again. And it just didn't make any sense. They had just closed down the vet, and the, the Eagles had a new stadium, Lincoln Financial, that was opening that year, and they were going to open the link. So they closed down the vet, and they were going to open the link and it, against really good football teams. And he was right, and it has not happened since. It had not happened before in a very long time. And they went up there, and, of course, they played a great game against the Eagles. Joe Jervis just tipped the ball to himself in the end zone. They win the game. John Madden say they're never going to lose a Super Bowl. They're going to win three of these things. And then they come on against Carolina, and it was just a travesty after that because Mike Allstott plows in the back of Jervis, breaks his neck, and knocks Jervis out for three or four weeks, and they lose to Carolina on a blocked extra point. But that, that, was, a, that was another John. And I know John's got to be like, what the hell, man? He's got to be unbelievably mad that he's going to be away from Oakland or home for about six weeks himself. And those are the only two teams that I could find that really have this gap. And, again, it's because they're both playing internationally. Mm -hmm. So when you give up a home game, it interrupts everything before and after it, right? Yep. So what can you do? Here's another schedule quirk I saw as, you know, seeing tweets. And New England Mm -hmm. does not play a playoff team until November 3rd. Is that right? Their first eight games are against non-playoff teams from last year. There must be division games then, right? Because they just, I mean, they're in that Their schedule is Pittsburgh at Miami. That's a good Jets at Buffalo at Washington. Giants, Jets, Cleveland. And then they're at Baltimore. Jeez, other than Cleveland, they may win them all. They only play five playoff teams this year, and they're all in a row. Baltimore, Philly, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City. Then, yeah. then they end with Cincinnati, Buffalo, Miami, all non-playoff teams from last year. Well, that is the silver lining for the Bucks schedule, too. They have only five teams that made the playoffs. Now, they have six games because they play the Saints twice, but they have the Rams, the Saints, the Seahawks, Colts, and Texans. That's it. So, you know, now I, I personally believe that Atlanta will be better. I think Carolina will be better. Well, you it know depends what? on and Cam he, Newton for Carolina. That's I was going to say. Like you may get, you may get the Panthers because it's early in the year. He's not ready. Mm-hmm. Not that they haven't lost to the Panthers with other quarterbacks up there because they have. They got their butts handed to them last year in Carolina. Mm-hmm. They were trailing like thirty-one to three at halftime. That game ended up like you know forty-eight twenty-four or something. But it's a tough place to win up there. It's tough to win on the road any place. But you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And at some point, I know they're steaming about it now, but at some point they'll have to convince their players that, you know, look, it doesn't really matter what order it is. 
let's just get ready for San Francisco and plow through this. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you, they they did not do them any favors being gone this long. Although Tottenham will be kind of cool. They, you know, that Hotspur Stadium for the Tottenham Hotspurs, it's a uh, interesting. It's an interesting field. This will only be the second NFL game because I think Chicago plays Oakland the week before that, which is the first game that will be played at Tottenham. Brand new state of the art stadium. It costs one point three billion in U.S. dollars to complete, and they just finished it like two weeks ago. So this is this is out of the plastic. Mm-hmm. So they got this soccer pitch that they play on, and it opens up. It actually opens up to reveal an artificial turf field that's going to be used for the NFL games. Wow! So. Pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I've been to Wembley twice. Like I said, they they played there uh, both in 2009 and 2011. But this will be the first time we see Tottenham. And the Bucks are uh, they're going to go late. They're going to travel. They're going to practice that Thursday morning, get on a plane, fly all night because you fly overnight when you go to England. And then when you get there, it's morning, and they're going to go straight to practice um, Friday morning in, in England. And then have their walk through Saturday, play Sunday, and get back on the plane and fly home. So they won't be there long. But uh, get your tickets now, sports fans, Bucks fans. They're actually pretty reasonable. Some good seats on British Air and Delta and some others. You can get there for, you know, anywhere from five to seven hundred dollars round trip. So that's not bad. Though. It's not too bad. It's not bad at all. No, it's only going to go up. Trust me. Uh, make sure if you're going, you you get uh, you get that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today reservation going now okay steve you were at this game the tampa bay rays game two of their series against the baltimore Orioles. they just bashed them eight to one on wednesday night six states straight series win to, to add to that franchise record not easy to do at any point in the year let alone to start the season now 14 and four they are 10 games over 500 that's the best record in the majors it's been a terrific start what's showing up now especially against this orioles pitching which isn't all that good but they are bashing the baseball. This team hit three more home runs again on Wednesday, including some you know back-to-backers. I mean, they are as hot as they can be at the plate and playing pretty good defense still and, of course, pitching very, very well. Again, they had Ryan Stanek as the opener, got through his innings, no problem. It's been something to watch, but it's the best start in their 22-year history, and it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down. The thing I've been most impressed about, I expect them to, I expected them to pitch well. I expected them to play good defense. I did not expect this lineup, one through nine, to be as potent as it is right now. I believe they had 17 balls hit at over 100 miles an hour tonight. That's crazy. They were mashing. They were, they were all over Baltimore. It didn't matter who they put in. They were hitting it hard. The first, what, the first time through the order... I believe they had three outs, all of them to center field. But every ball was struck hard. They were smashed, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, it, they were just in, you know, Brendan Lyle's home run crushed it. Mm-hmm. G-Man Choi got his first home run of the year. 
Um, Yandy Diaz hit another hit another clothesline yeah. over left field. <laughs> yes, he did. His home runs, his home runs get out in about three seconds, and they and they don't travel more than fifteen feet in the air. No, not at all. But Tampa Bay has now scored ninety runs on the season. They've only given up forty three <sighs> in eighteen games. And I I don't know what the number was, but the number of the run differential in the first inning that they have against opponents is incredible. Yeah, it's something I I heard Neil Solans mention it in the post game, and I don't remember. It was like something like twenty one to five, but it's it's close to that. It's I don't think that's the exact right number. Yeah, no, it's a big disparity, and yeah. they've jumped on teams as they did. I mean, Brandon Lau gave him a three to nothing lead just five batters into the game in the first inning yeah. when he you know crushed one. I mean, over the right field bleachers and then you know that's his that's he's hot i mean that's his fourth homer in the last seven games Mm -hmm. starting to see why they paid this guy a little bit of money for as small as he is man his hands are so quick he generates so much power i'm trying to remember whose swing that he reminds me of but it's it's effortless there's not a lot of you know grunt in it it just kind of flows and he's got the good hands and he generates so much bat speed but He's had four in, in what I say, in seven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had G-Man and Yandy Diaz going back-to-back in the third inning. So they were up six to nothing. And then Diaz had another uh, RBI double in the seventh. He's really hit. How about the play he made at third base? Got caught between hops, kind of took it deep into almost left field, and made a throw that I'm here to tell you you would hope would just get in the general vicinity of first base. And G-Man Choi did not have to move a glove. It hit him no. right smack. In the chest. He was falling backwards, and it was a perfect throw to first base. Incredible. Incredible play. I guess if I had biceps Mike's... like that, maybe I could throw it that hard, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. That guy is yoked, by the way. Mike Zanino is hot all of a sudden. Three hits tonight. Starting... That was great. Yeah. Two doubles. He had an, Yeah, he had another. He had one that was uh, hit one of those well-struck velo balls over 100 miles an hour. 17 of them all told. How about so, G-Man Choi people... scoring from first base? Yeah, you know what? I don't know why they didn't make a play on him at the plate. That was weird. The, uh, it the, felt the, like the relay guy. It, it, he he the transfer in his glove. He messed it up. Oh, uh, okay. He couldn't so get he the ball out. Yeah, he couldn't get the ball right, so he just held on to it instead of All forcing right. it. Because from a timing standpoint, yeah. I think G Man was just kind of coming around third there, and he yeah, wasn't exactly. They had a shot. It looked like in the transfer he couldn't get a grip on it, so he just ate it. Right. Right. Well, they didn't need much offense because yeah. the the pitching was really good. One negative and in the game tonight: Tommy Pham's forty-eight game streak of reaching base came to a that. close, and he was on deck to in the bottom of the eighth. Had Guillermo Heredia got on base, he would have another shot at it. But and the thing is, the first time up, he hit the crap out of one. I mean, he oh, was yeah. one of those guys that hit a seed to center field, mm-hmm. and just had to pull his hands a little inside and didn't get quite all of it, or it would have been long gone. Hit it to the deepest part of the park, or one of the deepest parts. But, yeah, the pitching was good. Yanni Chirinos was great. Uh, at one point, uh, they retired 15 out of 17. Chirinos did. He allowed just one hit and walked one. The control of these guys, and it's a lot easier to pitch when you're up, obviously, in the, you know, in the scoreboard like that. But they have not – they're just not walking batters. They, they're attacking the strike zone. Stanek came out and was throwing 98, you know, just challenging guys with fastballs up in the strike zone and then throwing the – the splitter, you know, down in the, in the zone. And, and, you know, he was, he's been unhittable in that role. So this Rays team, you just, you know, and the, and the guys are having fun. It's always fun when you win and you can just kind of see, you know, guys enjoy winning. But this is such a young group that 
these guys really do seem to get along and seem to enjoy each other. And so hopefully that continues. But when you're, you know, geez, when you're sitting here at 14 and four, it's hard not to have fun. The separation they're getting now because the Red Sox continue to lose to the Yankees. I think the Yankees are going to be the team that battles back. You know, they've got all these injuries and they're still managing to beat up on the Red Sox. Red Sox come in this weekend for a three-game series. That's going to be telling for them. This might be the most important early season series that the Red Sox play because they can't afford to lose more ground to the Rays. Yeah, they're 6-13 and 13 right now. They're eight and a half games back already. Jeez. Uh, they they blew one. They were up three one to the Yankees, and then gave up a grand slam in the seventh to Brett Gardner, his hundredth career home run, and they lost that game five to three. So the Yankees are just a half game below five hundred. They're at eight and nine now, so they're the closest team to the Rays at five and a half back. But the Rays are ten games above five hundred now, as we said. Last season, it took them till Sunday, September second, to get ten games over five hundred, seventy three and sixty three. Goodness gracious. Now, when you start nine games below 500, that makes it a hard hole to dig out of. But, yeah, it took them till September 2nd to be 10 games above 500 last season. I mean, look, they're going to hit, as every team does, you're going to hit a bad patch. I don't know when mm-hmm. it's coming, but it's going to come. You're not going to stay you know, this hot for six months. Now, you could have a really, really good year, though, and continue to win series, which is what will be their goal. I just can't imagine they're going to keep the 14-4 and four pace. But when you separate like this this early, you're, you've got house money. You know, you don't have to play 800 baseball the rest of the way. You can have some streaks where you play 500 or just below. You can go 3-5. and five. You know, you don't want to go 0-8. And, and they had a couple eight-game losing streaks last year, and they had a couple eight-game winning streaks. But they're going to go on some winning streaks as well. What I like what they're doing is, and, you know, the offense in particular has been – has been hot and they but they've done it against teams like you know the White Sox, Toronto, this team, Baltimore. But you know what? That's what you do to those teams. Well, last the year one of the that, one of the reasons they missed the playoffs last year is they struggled against Baltimore, who was really bad. Yes, and yes, they went nine and nine or ten and nine against Baltimore. And you know if you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, mm-hmm. and then split with the teams that are really good, you're going to have a great season. Turns out, you know who's really good? No surprise, the Houston Astros. They've won 10 in a row. They're just a, a game behind Tampa Bay. They're t- or game and a half. They're 12 and 5 on the season right now. So, mm-hmm. but they've won 10 in a row after starting 1 and 3. Uh, they've gone what 11 and 2 since the the Rays series. The only team they really haven't beat is the Rays. So, they are the Astros are who we thought they were and they're proving it every day. That's going to be something to watch as uh, they continue through this season with the American League. So the Rays will wrap up their series against the Orioles, and then the Red Sox come to town over the weekend. So that'll be a good weekend series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, against the Red Sox. And finally, Steve, the Tampa Bay Lightning made their way back from Columbus. They will have a press conference today. When I say they, it'll be GM Julian Breezebois is going to speak at 11 a.m. wonder when John Cooper's going to speak. <laughs> About his about his uh, failure in this series against Columbus, but we will hear from the GM. Oh, yeah, this will be our first time to hear from the GM since this all happened. I mean, he kind of spoke yeah. before the playoffs and early in the in the you know first game or two, he spoke to some media entities. But it's the first time we've heard from him since the they lost Game Four. I mean, you hear from John Cooper and the players after the game, and they'll probably mm-hmm. you know, talk to some players again to, uh, on Thursday. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what uh, Julian Breezebois' uh, take on the season and the, the playoffs and and what he's looking forward going forward. 
Well, I mean, there's only two ways you can go, really. You you can change some players, some do some things structurally, and we mentioned the, some of the free agents they have to, to deal with and make decisions on. You can decide if, for example, you think you need a better defensemen or a better defense in general. If the style you play in the in the regular season maybe doesn't translate as well in the postseason, but you're not going to get rid of Steven Stamkos or Nikita Kucherov or some of these guys, you know, Braden Point. I mean, those are the core scores on your team. They're going to be back, as are some of the young guys they have. I still go back to what's been the conversation about John Cooper. Most people think that look, they they just signed him to an extension. There's very no way a guy that wins 62 games in the regular season in such an NHL, NHL record is somebody that you want to part with. And yet, we will, we'll find out. I mean, Breezebaugh is going to be up there by himself as far as I understand. So he's going to be asked questions about Cooper. And, and look, maybe they haven't had those conversations. I mean, at some point, you want to put a little space between your last game and when you want to do the autopsy so that you're not emotional about things and you want to be analytical about it, and you want to talk about the playoff series and what went wrong and what, what you liked about it, what, what you obviously didn't like losing 4-0, but there were some good things in the regular season and why that didn't transfer, what plan that Columbus had for you that, that you know, you're going to obviously see again in the postseason, what is about your style and your, your way of playing the games. But I went back and I listened to John Cooper after that game that they lost in Columbus – to, to go down 4-0 and, and get swept and, and make history because no team has done what they did. Unfortunately, that's what this season will be mostly remembered as, as one that was painful and not one that was historically great during the regular season. But the one thing I didn't hear from Cooper, you know, he talked a lot about sort of this is hockey, you know what I mean? Gave comparisons. Well, you know, the Washington Capitals, you know, all those years they won the President's Cup and got eliminated early, and then the year they weren't supposed to win it, boom, they come through and they win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, he talked about sort of like, eh, it's not that unusual for an eight seed anymore to beat a one seed in the NHL playoffs. You know what? Nobody wants to hear that. To me, you're stating the obvious. You're You're almost – you're almost minimizing what just occurred. You know, you're almost saying this is while this is painful and disappointing, it's not unusual. It happens. It's hockey. And sure, every team is, you know, has the greatest players in the world. That's why they're in the NHL and they're all very capable and these, you know, he said this as well. Like, look, this is a playoff team. Most teams are home right now. You don't get here without being a good team. All that's true, and John Torella is a great coach, and he has a Stanley Cup. What I didn't hear from him is, hey, I own this too. Like, like I didn't prepare our team enough. There's, there's something I did not do right here. And maybe that's just not his style. Maybe he doesn't do that very commonly anyway. But, man, I, as a fan or as an owner or as somebody in the organization, it sure seemed like a whole lot was on the players coming from John Cooper. Now, you know, he showed an affinity for them. He said he was felt bad because this team would never be together again. And he enjoyed coaching them and what a terrific year they had and how unfortunate it is that they, this team won't get to go through the finals and, and, and win, maybe win a Stanley cup. But it just didn't seem like, you know, who's who ultimately is going to hold themselves accountable. Number one, and who will the organization hold accountable? Because I just believe that when something historic like this happens, good or bad, Steve, there's gotta be, there's got to be some accountability. You can't just continue to do the same thing and expect the different result. 
there's something that's happening or not happening in the postseason. And sometimes it's the team you draw. Sometimes it's when you draw them and, and all those things. But I, I got to believe that Jeffrey Vinnick is expecting more, um, even though, you know, when you compare them to the Rays or the Bucks, I mean, they're, they're perennial playoff contenders every year. It just – this wasn't good enough. And so I, I expect there to be some changes along the way somewhere. I think there has to be some changes. I mean, you're, part of it's going to be salary cap and roster, you know, mm-hmm. you know, replacing some free agents and things like that. But, you know, I, I think when you have – look, at the end of every season, every team goes through a process of let's evaluate what worked, what didn't, what – you know, how did this player do, how did this player do, how did this coach do, how, you know, how are we doing everything. You kind of go through that. But when you go through a, a disappointing playoff run like this, especially after the regular season, I think – I think that microscope gets bigger and that you're it does. You're really going to look, you know, even harder because look, we we've seen with the Blackhawks and with the Kings and and possibly the Penguins now that your window's not open very long to win, to to actually win the cup. That's you, right. You can be competitive for a long time and and you don't have to, you know, all of a sudden be the worst team in the league after you have a window, but there's only there's there's short bursts of windows of a, of a core that's together to win that cup. Mm-hmm. And this core has been together a few years now. How much longer mm-hmm. is that window really open? That's a good point. I mean, you know, Stamkos is 29, Hedman's 28, Kucherov's 25, Vasilevsky's around the same age. I mean, they're still young. They're, they're, not, they're not, you know, out of their prime and, and, you know, completely on the downside of a career yet. But how many more seasons do they have to, to really be at that core that can, that can actually hoist a cup? I don't know the answer to that. But when you know that window, there's a finite window to that. Sometimes you got to make quicker, rasher decisions. You can't just sit back and, and wait. Yeah, and look, I don't know John Cooper personally very well. I, you can look at his record. He's gotten his team very far. You know, maybe in years that they didn't expect to go, they went to the Stanley Cup. At one point, they were leading that. Ben Bishop got hurt, whatever. They, they lost to Chicago. They went back. They've been, they missed the playoffs, and then they went back and, and, and made it to the Eastern Conference Final and needed to win one game and got shut out the last two games to a Stanley Cup champion and Ovechkin and the Washington Caps. I mean, he's had success, record 62 NHL wins during the regular season. That just doesn't happen unless you know what you're doing behind the bench. Mm-hmm. But having said all that, well, we've talked about what a great job he did this year. I mean, that to have a team that talented and performing that well, and to not hit a rough patch all year, and to perform the way they have is—you got to be a pretty good coach for that. You do, and sometimes you don't get as much credit because people mm-hmm. see the talent that he has, and so you know he may get overlooked for coach of the year or, or whatnot, but. It's not easy to manage that too, you know. I mean, you have to, Bill Belichick gets passed over all the time. They think he has the best talent. He doesn't, but because they he has Tom Brady, he you know I would give Bill Belichick the coach of the year every year because I think he's the best coach in the league. Mm-hmm. But people are always looking for the next best thing. Okay, so fine. But having said all that, I mean, I whatever contract he signed, and I don't know what it is, but I I think teams make mistakes if you know if it becomes a financial decision about the coach because I cover an organization that has been paying coaches not to coach for years and you know they would have been thrilled if one of the guys that you know that they brought in for Lovey Smith or that they brought in for Graciano 
or John Gruden or any of those guys, you know, while they were still paying those other coaches, had won. You know, when you think about the amount of money you spend on talent, on on player costs versus the coach, it's it's a drop in the bucket. It really is. And if those coaches go on, most contracts have what's called offsets. So I've heard a lot of talk lately about, and I, I look, I don't know what they're going to do with John Cooper. I, I assume he's going to be here. They signed him to an extension. I assume they like that he won 62 games, and, you know, maybe he isn't the number one reason. But I know it's a lot easier to change a coach than it is the entire team. Now, that's not to say they don't need to make changes, because I think they clearly do, and particularly on defense, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, you know, John Cooper is going to work in this league someplace. And most contracts, at least the NFL, and I would assume that's true in hockey, he's going to have what you call an offset. So if they owe him $3 million and he gets $2 million from another team, well, then, you know, essentially the lightning are on the hook for a million dollars. That's not a lot of money. If, you, if you've come to the point where you just feel like, you know what, we need a new voice in the room. We need somebody else uh, maybe saying the same things a different way. Who knows? Maybe someone that, you know, can resonate better with your stars, whether it's Kucherov or Stamkos or whatever. But for whatever reason, and maybe it's just a guy you believe in in your organization that's coming up through the bottom – if you make the change, you make the change. It's not, you know, it's. I don't think it's that unusual. I don't think it's, if it happens, and I don't know that it will, but if it happens, it won't surprise me because there's going to be accountability. I just don't think Jeffrey Vinnick is going to sit back and say, yeah, what a great year, too bad we lost in four games. That He doesn't strike me as the type of owner that doesn't have the highest expectations, especially with what he's invested and with what he's given Steve Eiserman and Brisebois and, you know, what he's done to the arena and, and the community and all that. If you read that statement, Steve, and we read it last night, but that statement from the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I think hit their social media maybe about 10 or 20 minutes after the loss, that really was almost a promise to fans in a way. Well, look, I have – I believe that the Lightning will do a thorough – breakdown of you know what they mm-hmm. think went wrong what they need to do going forward and they'll make the right decisions based on that evaluation sure. and i don't think sure. there's anybody that you can say is 100 percent safe right i mean if, and i if, think if that they, they feel steven stamkos too. is the reason they may mm-hmm. make a move there too now i don't believe that that's what they'll determine but you know yeah. i don't think there's a, if julian Brisebois is not the right guy going forward sure you know, I I, th- I think they'll make they'll make the right decision based on their. I mean, the, when I say right decision, in hindsight you never know, but they'll make the, they'll make the decision based on what their evaluation and what they think they need to do going forward. It's not going to be tied to, you know, we don't want to spend a million dollars here or whatever that way. Right. It's it's going to be this is what we feel we need to be doing going forward. So how do we get there? Right. And if it means changing right. out. GM, coach, certain players, systems, you name it. They're going to do if, it. If that's what they feel is the best route going forward, they will do what is best. Right. And I also think that it won't happen quickly. I, I, I'm a believer that, you know, you don't want to make decisions in the emotion of the moment, right? Take a few days. There's no week, rush. Whatever it is. I mean, the draft no. is until June 22nd. Free agency is right. not until July 1st. That's right. You don't have to make any decisions today. No. I mean, in fact, even if you make this, if you start making decisions, let's say player X is, 
you've determined isn't a good fit going forward for your team. Mm -hmm. And you want to trade them. You're not making trades at this point. Trades aren't going to happen until right around the draft and closer to free agency. Sure, sure. So there's no – they're not in a rush. I mean, if they've determined – Certain moves need to be made, and they can go ahead and make them. Now they will, but there, no, there's no rush on any of this stuff at this point. They can sit back and and, and let the emotion go away from it to, to make a more educated decision if they choose to. It'll be be real curious to see what Julian Breesbois says today or doesn't say. Right. You know, most of these are you know games of I'm speaking, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> right. Like a draft meeting, for example. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, because even if Breezebois knows he's going to make some changes, he's not, you know. He's not advertising it until he, until he uh, unless has time they're, to Unless they're ready down. to announce it, yeah. Right. Unless, unless they have a compelling reason and they made that decision, and if you made it, why not just go ahead and do it and pull the Band-Aid off? But this will be the first real test. I mean, as a GM, he had done everything right, right? I mean, 62 wins. Hey, congratulations. It's the best record in hockey. You're, you're the best GM that ever lived. What a first year. And then it's like, oh, no, you're the worst GM that ever lived. <laughs> we just lost four in a row. How'd that happen? Well, we just he, made history the wrong way. He's going to be questioned about why didn't you make moves at the trade deadline. Of course. And it, it's a very good question You know, at depth, this point. We have the hindsight. Always, you know, what everyone thought they needed, and they, didn't, they chose not to make a trade for a defensive depth. And what he said at the time was, we have everything we need mm -hmm. like, against any team sure. we play. Sure. And hindsight's always 20-20. Yeah. Of course. But turns out they needed more yeah. and didn't happen this year. So that'll be a real interesting uh, press conference, I think, at 11 a.m. that the Lightning will have. So lots going on, of course. We got the Rays finishing up their series against the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Hunter Woods going to be the starter. 11. Oh, yeah? He's the opener? He's the opener, and then uh, presumably it'll be either Jalen Beeks or uh, Ryan Yarbrough following him up. And Blake Snell is going to miss a start because of his – well, he asked Granite Mr. Lee's morning's on the 10-day IL, so. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. That's their first little piece of adversity. But they got to get ready for the Red Sox to come to town because that's going to be an important series for both those teams. So a busy weekend shaping up in sports. You want to keep it right here at Sports Day Tampa Bay. And we're happy to talk to you about all sports. Uh, you can also, you know, if you have a question, you want to email us or text us, you can do that. We'll also reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And look, if you're looking to get out from under all these expenses of electric bills, seriously, consider our folks at May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. They know what they're doing. They get the best uh, offers going right now. And uh, if you change the solar energy right now, you can receive a 30% tax credit through 2019. Call our friends at May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.